What's up, everyone? Welcome to Matt's Anvil, the place where you'll learn the tools to forge yourself a story for you and your friends. My name is Matt. And I'm Josh. And today, our topic is world building, because that's a thing we do in tabletop games to make sure that our players have fun. Sometimes. Sometimes. Other times, it's to torture your players because they're awful and rude. Oh, I meant, uh, like, building a world, because, you know, there are modules. I mean, you know, it happens. Anyway, so, does. our topic today, as we said, it's world building. It's pretty cool. You know, it's something that everyone thinks about, but only half the people ever does. Because it's, it's daunting, man. Like, as somebody actually in the process of world building for the first time... It is daunting, and it is draining in a way that I do not understand well enough to put into words. So world building is a fascinating concept for any tabletop game. Whether it's futuristic, it's uh, fantasy, it's modern, it's it's anything. Uh, it, it's a very fascinating concept, and a lot of people are kind of scared by it. Because there is a lot of work that goes into building your own world. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's a pretty great process. It's pretty fascinating and unique it's a it's a it's a thing it's pretty cool uh but it's not easy <laughs> it's not easy uh and but it's also not hard if you know what you're doing so the point of this today is to talk about some of the things that you can do to encourage yourself to build the world that you want to for your tabletop uh and to do it in a way that makes everyone like want to dive into it deeper because everyone knows that if there's one thing that a world has to be it's detailed because in a world that's not very detailed it's kind of boring it's kind of boring it's kind of boring so josh what's our first what's our first point here what's why why, why do you go about building a world because uh... that's that's i mean that's the first pretext right is like, yeah, sure, you play a game, you're, you DM, maybe you play modules or something like that, but what, 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 do you, what do you do? What do you start with? Where do you go? I feel like it's best to have a goal in mind or a reason to make it. Absolutely. And even if that reason is just you get the idea of, like, because I know when I first thought of my world, it was literally, I found out the Dragon Turtles were a thing when Fizbin's thing got released. And then I was like, I want to put those on a planet. And it kind of snowballed from there a little bit. Uh, and now partially is on paper. and it's It is on paper. You started drawing a map today. It's kind of cool. It's pretty cool. Seeing how empty parts of that map are, though... It's weird, because I I keep seeing essentially the design of this world in my head, and I thought I was doing great until I put it on paper and realized how much of the world is still just fully empty, because I haven't thought of what to put there. Which brings <laughs> us to a very good point. So, yes, when, when, when making a world, it's very important to establish a goal. What, whatever your reason may be for, for making a, a world or for, for even making a small adventure, maybe just a town. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Yeah. Um, it can be because an idea sounded cool. It could be because you have this quest in mind and no, nothing really fits it. It could be that you want your own world so that certain mechanics that you make are more effective or make more sense. It, it, it really comes down to you. Uh, in this case, we're talking the Dungeon Masters. Yeah. But... The players are involved in this too. Um, if if you're making a world on either side, you have to realize that you affect it in several different ways. The DMs obviously they craft everything around you, but the players, their backstories are vital when when constructing lore for the world, especially if it's in places that don't have as much like detail that the DMs have put in. Yeah. Those players flesh out the details for you in their backstories, and it becomes a very effective tool for establishing principles within the world. Which is which is why when I go into saying this, both players and DMs control the pace of which the world builds. 
So it's very it's very important to understand that when we talk about this podcast, we're not just talking DMs. We're talking to players too. It's very important. Yeah. So, going back to you, uh, you would you had talked about how it's it's kind of overwhelming. You had drawn your map. Everything like you saw so much emptiness that you didn't know what to do. The best recommendation and the best tip that I have ever heard, uh, which I believe came directly from Matt Mercer. or I think it was him talking to Brandon Lee Mullen I think it was. about world building. I think it was. <laughs> um, but it is, it is a fantastic concept. Start, Start small. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a ver- it's a very simple concept. Th- this is why I say that building a world can be easy and hard. Because, yes, there's a lot to it. But if you're building small, if you're starting with a town, with an NPC, maybe watch our previous podcast where we talk about NPCs, or maybe you want to build a dungeon first, and so you go watch our podcast about magic items, and you make a magic item, and you want to start a dungeon there. Starting small is a very key concept, because you're not going to overwhelm yourself if you're dealing in small cups. Yeah. You... (laughs) A person can mine through a mountain one swing at a time, but only if you take it one swing at a time. So when you're building an entire world, or for some people who go even crazier, an entire universe, yeah. start with your first town. Start with the first NPC. Go to the place that your players will start. If you're building a world in that sense, where do your players start? Where do they meet? If, if you're... If you, made this this town because you wanted to do a, a you had a quest in mind start with the town that they're in start with the beginning section even if it's just a tavern yep that's all you need to start something because as your players get more into the world and as you begin to build on this town this city this world that you're working on it will slowly flesh itself out yeah i mean Haldore and Xandria and all of that. According to Mad Mercer himself, it, w- it started as a one-shot. It started as Stilbin, a single town. And his friends were just like, cool, when's session two? Yeah. And he's like, okay. So he just, he literally went step by step and only, at first was literally only building each place they went to. And that's perfect. Like, that is a great way to start it, because it doesn't overwhelm you. It just, you have what you need, and once he realized, cool, this is going into full campaign territory, now I can start building everything that goes along with a full campaign. Which, there is to say, there's a lot involved with that. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're looking to build a full campaign, you have to look at, you have to look at it from multiple angles. Um, I mean, for one thing, it's how many towns do you... Or the, sorry, let me rephrase that. The first thing you look at is what's your landmass like? I mean, if you start in a town that's set on an island, obviously you're not, the landmass isn't going to be very big, but it could be in an island chain. And if that's the case, you're building small towns, one or two on every island, until you amass whatever it is that you're looking for or even if they're i mean they don't even have to be small enough islands they can be connected to each other if the islands are close enough so you end up with this giant giant fishing town that's all separate islands but it's all connected with little like wooden walkways or whatnot and there are just plenty of ships everywhere so there's definitely a fishing trade and there you have some extra points for it absolutely and that's when and that's a, a great leeway into when you start fleshing things out because once you've established a town and a landmass, then you start establishing trade routes or, or pathways to different cities. That's when you start establishing uh, terrain and how people live. You've said this one lives in a fishing village on some islands. Well, on the mainland, um, across the channel, you could meet a desert first and foremost. Ooh. So it's, it's important to... When you start small and you plan on going bigger, go step by step by step. Don't rush out to the whole world because you're going to overwhelm yourself 
you're going to get confused. And that's what we're trying to avoid here today. So... Because I definitely am, and I jumped headfirst into it, so... Yeah. <laughs> this this episode is really to help both me and everybody else, because, like, I am I am learning essentially what not to do to start and it's it's it was my choice to to essentially be like cool i don't want to really start working on this until i can put a put pencil to paper and make a map but honestly for me that just like making the map to me felt like the first step sure and 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 that's not to say that's wrong just to be clear here what we're doing is we're just suggesting ideas to make the workload seem more manageable. Like, or yeah, more manageable. However, if you have a concept in mind for a world that you want to build or a map that you want to play on, by all means. Send it. Yeah, absolutely. Send it. I mean, from a variety of things... I, one of the most recent worlds that I've been working on, and it's kind of the one I'm most excited about, is a world that was, in one way or another, became built over another world. And it's a fascinating concept, and I haven't even put it to paper yet, but I'm so enthused, like, I'm so excited to get into the work of it, because there's so much <laughs> that I want to do with it that... It's more than I can do just by starting small. So I have to look at it from a bigger picture. And so that's when it comes down to personal preference is do you prefer working with a bigger picture and then working out the small details? Or do you want to smart start with a small detail and then build yourself out until you have a massive picture? Because one way or another, if you're making an artwork or you're making a story, everything starts with the first word or everything starts with your outline and both of which are viable starting points for making a story i mean that and that's that's a main a main idea of it is i i can't tell you who it was that said it but a, a couple famous authors have always said that there's really two ways two methodologies when writing a story uh one is you you write an outline and then you follow that outline as you go chapter by chapter. The other one is people who can just sit down and write for four hours, come out with 30 pages and then pick up again the next day. That kind of generalizes everyone into two groups. Those who can write and know their story step by step and those who outline so they know when their steps are. World building is the same way. You can start however you want to start and keep going until you think you're satisfied or you can start with the town the land the routes the world the people the terrain blank 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 all the way down the list it just depends on you one important thing however when building these worlds and that leads us to our next tip our next point here ask people to if you're crazy about things don't get me wrong working on your own stuff having it as a surprise for your players uh have wh whatever it's cool It'd and it's awesome great. it is fantastic however there are going to be things in your world that only make sense to you and if it oh if it does make sense to your players it's not gonna make sense like it's not gonna be as as impactful as you want it to be yeah. so collaborate uh and that's not saying every like once a week get with all of your party members and be like okay guys i made this town what do you think because obviously that's not what you're doing it for but get with a person get with a friend and talk them through what your logic is behind this world they don't even have to play dnd &D. they don't like to them you're just telling a story yeah it's it's not something that has to be done by people who are experts in D, D or in tabletop games or even video games anyone who's anyone if they just like fiction they'll enjoy listening to you talk about something you're passionate about not only that but it's it's almost like the uh rubber duck 
Uh, absolutely. Thing with programmers. So, yeah. So so there's a there's a concept in programming, and I should know because I've done this. I don't have one uh, in here, but I've had one in the past. Uh, in programming, there is a concept called uh, I think they call it rubber ducking, uh, but I can't remember exactly what they call it. It's it's a little different everywhere. Basically, the concept is a programmer will pick up a rubber duck and tell them exactly line for line what their code is. And nine times out of ten, because they are speaking to it as if speaking to someone else, they will find where their error is. And it's been it's been established that this is a well like a well reasoned and well processed ability to talk your way into finding a problem. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, you don't notice something until you're pointing it out to someone else. Or saying it out loud. Or saying it out loud. That's because, another big one. Because there have been plenty of times when I'm reading something and like something just doesn't make sense to me and i will just like talk about it to myself out loud and then it'll click and i'm like oh it's i don't understand it but it works <laughs> and yeah and and that's but that's a very good like facet to understand talk talk to someone even if it's an imaginary friend like a rubber duck Talk your way through the things you're working on because that's one, it's going to give you new ideas. If you're talking to another person and you're telling them about this world, normally they're going to ask you questions about it. They're, they're going to wonder about some certain things. And there's a chance that the questions they ask are things you are not prepared for, prepared for, or thinking about when you are in the design process, but sparks an idea that helps you along or lets you know that, hey, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> right. So, like, let's take our fishing village example. So we talked about a string of islands that's off the, the, the main continent, um, and their, their closest portion is a desert, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's what we mentioned. So a string of islands all connected into one city uh, is this, it's a, it's a semi-famous fishing village, etc. Well, why is that town so, has, why has that town been abundant for so long? I mean, that would be my question, is like, what what has kept that town going? And one answer could just be, because the desert on the opposite side continuously blows wind, that could be guiding, that, that could be channeling fish to seek food elsewhere, because sanded waters are both bad for fish and the food that they eat. Yeah. So it's more beneficial to fish off land, because that's where the fish are going to. So it's, it, it, it it can be questions as complicated as that, or it could be as simple as uh, how many moons does it have? That's actually a good point because if the if there are extra moons or if the tide is and extra... and that leads that leads the creator down a spiral of trying to answer these questions and building the world out a little bit more. So talk to people. It's cool. It's fun. It's interesting. Spaz! <laughs> Shut up! I love you! I'm so glad Jesus we, I'm Christ! I'm so glad we can edit parts of this out because I have just watched ah! this list of just dink, 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 dink. Oh up. my god, Spaz, I love you. Holy shit. You do oh. raise some great points. You do, but... I love the references. You are making me laugh in the middle of my conversations, <laughs> and I can't take it. <laughs> ah! This this actually does make Jesus me want to put in Christ. this town into my my robot though, because like, because uh, I I know I want my desert around this area, and the thing is, it could literally be. That they're in between this deserted area, yeah, and the polar caps, yeah. There's just this section of the ocean that is just like perfectly climated for fishing. For fishing, and there you go. See, we're helping world build. Freaking spaz, I love you, man. I'm a, I appreciate you being here. You make me laugh. I had to close chat because of you. And I can still see it on two other screens. Yeah, he didn't solve the problem. <sighs> anyway, 
So we're going to pick back up. So we've, we've talked about questions. We've talked about start, like how you start it, establishing a goal, collaborating with others, just to kind of see from an outside perspective how the world functions. Now we're going to get a little bit deeper into how you create a world that has some influence. And the number one thing that influences stories, or, or sorry, worlds, is their history. I mean, look at, look at Earth. I was not good in history class. <laughs> but that's fine. But, but look at Earth. Because, because of several things that have happened over thousands of years, not only have humans kind of become everywhere, but we've advanced... We've had wars, we've established nations that have risen and fallen across time. We've physically changed like certain locations that will be like that forever. But not only just people, the land itself has a history. We used to, all of the continents used to be one. Something happened, the tectonic plates, they separated and split. And eventually, and became, eventually drifted far enough away from each other that... that oceans were established in a variety of different ways with different climates and different things that's a lot to think about that's a lot just like the the sheer concept of coming up with an origin story for not just a person is is difficult like don't be wrong i spend a lot of time on backstory ideas coming up with one for an entire world yeah i've built a lot of characters this is a different this is a different beast, beast. It's so the biggest note I can think of take notes from history like our history it's it's the easy or even other fantasies history it's a it's a it's a big thing like take your time with it definitely take your time but just kind of think about how the world has expanded since a point in history like say you're you're thinking of your world and for me i had talked about earlier that i had a world that had uh that was the outer world and then its inner one so for me i know that there's there are four eras within my world pre-cataclysm the first cataclysm second and then post third cataclysm I haven't named them yet because I don't know what happened because I haven't thought that far, but I've already eased the burden of establishing a timeline because I've split it up into pieces that I know exist. Now, that's not to say every world has to have some calamity that happened in order to establish a story. It could <clears throat> be that s just something happened in your world that's worth note and established a new era. Uh, for example, in Eberron, I believe they have an era designated to the birth of the magic engine. So the thing that, that uh, created their flying ships and their their trains. Yep. That, um, I, I think that was sparked before the Dragon War. Um, but I can't remember. I can't remember. It, regardless. Yeah, like, yeah, I can't remember either. So, something like that, an establishment in, your, in the history can help lead to other details for example if we're talking about Eberron where did this magic engine start where did this happen uh, and that's a great point too is that this goes back to using resources and, and taking notes from history the dungeon master's guide has a fantastic list for significant events that's happened throughout stories it's great inspiration and you don't have to take exactly what they say you, you just get ideas from a random table and you're like cool this gives, this, this one this one gives me an idea for something that happened. absolutely <sighs> so take notes from history in general yeah maybe not our world history maybe not Faerunian history which is what the forgotten shores is based on ours is a little meh eh you know there's a lot of fighting the there, way the, there is a lot of fighting you know, for one but, race of people. But, you know, the race options also kind of, like, low. So, you know, I can't just up and be a kobold. I, dude, I wish. <laughs> anyway. I'd switch to a kobold immediately. <laughs> take, take, no, just go get isekai Get hit by I, a man. Dude, <laughs> don't tempt me. <laughs> like, 
No, you can't do that. The There's amount of times people. I saw those specific trucks <laughs> while I was stationed in Japan and just stopped on the road and thought, do it. I do could, it. I could just, I could just be a hero somewhere else. <laughs> God, it's so funny. Anyway, but yeah, no, 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 seriously. Take notes from histories. Get, get inspiration. Have events that dictate eras. Don't. Just like everything else we've suggested, don't try and cram everything at once. Start small, break it up into pieces, <laughs> make it manageable. You're not trying. You're, you're not. You're not running a race. No, it's a marathon, as is a lot of things in life. Unfortunately, you're not, you're not gonna wake up one day and just within 24 hours become Matt Mercer with, That's not with his true. like two books published on one. Planet. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's impossible for that to happen. I'm just you saying it's really vastly unlocking. Really productive in one day. Yeah, absolutely. Um so but we're talking about histories. Yeah. And there is one thing and we talked about it in our in Earth history, in in the real world's history. Um uh, one thing that you can do to help establish histories or to just effectively rate or quicken the rate of your um your world flesh out cultures and this is this is done as simple as saying elves live in forests humans live in plains kobolds live in caves under mountains specifically deep yeah yeah under mountains because then you dwarves sorry live in mountains this already that that by itself already tells you what's happening in an area if you have a mountain range, you know there's going to be dwarves there somewhere. If they haven't already set up like an in-mountain colony, they are there working on it. Exactly. Or, if you're right next to a forest f- filled with trees that are a mile high, you know there's elves going to be there. Elves are going to be there somewhere. The moment you take five not, steps into that freaking place, you're going to die. You're, there's yeah. going to be five arrows in your back, there's going to be three in your face, and you're just going to be dead. The grouping's gonna be immaculate, but it's but like, come on, man. They're elves. That's what they're there for. <laughs> Cultures are very important in uh, tabletop games. They end in worlds. I mean, look at our world. You can, and, and it doesn't even have to be as big as looking at different world cultures. Look at the United States. Look at the South versus the North. What what those cultures are like. The south, the southern part. The United States is literally called the Bible Belt because they are yeah. very religious. Yeah. But that in and of itself defines a culture in our area. So when you when looking at culture, just recognize that everything is can be connected to something. Yeah. And should be. And well, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, I mean so the and that and that's a that's a that's a big that's a big understanding. Like the elves of the forest don't have to be con- connected to the fishing village that's like on the other side of the plane. They don't, <laughs> but they could, and that's to say depends on how good your trade routes are. And that, but that's that's exactly the point. So that that has already made a connection, tentative as it is, for. Uh, having a culture in the world why would the elves have a trade route to this fishing village because they're like that that type of vegan where it's okay to eat fish but no other meat okay let me rephrase that question then no 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 no. i mean that's fine but let me rephrase that question why are they not fishing in their areas uh maybe they're not located next to water how are they getting their trade routes to this town? Road. But no roads lead to there. Oh, that's right. Um, I don't know. Cause... And, but that right there is building your world. The answer to this, by the way, is that they don't deal with the, the fishing village. They deal with the desert village that trades with the fishing village. Okay. And that's how they get fish. And now you've established a trade route. Okay. So, 
cultures and things like this, and, and and we went a little too far into it because it's not just why do the elves want this or why do these want this. Cultures even go so far as, well, why do the elves worship their gods? Why do the humans worship theirs? I mean, what what traditions do the elves have that the humans don't? Yeah, and why? Quite types. Questions like those about asking about tradition and what the daily life is of a random race in a random town of that race is is going to help you connect, make connections to things that need it. Now, if you want to have a main like a, a, an adventure in this world and you cause a connection to go from point A to point B, that's fine. That's looking at it from a unilateral perspective, whereas they if they didn't have that connection they wouldn't be connected not everything has to be connected some way but if they are connected to something via a connection to something else that makes sense for fluidity and gives your world a more sense of being alive and that's not to say that you can't be an isolationist but you have to explain the culture of why they are isolationist yeah. And if they are isolationist, how do they survive? If our elves, for example, are are isolationists, so they don't let anyone into their forests. Well, first of all, why? Probably so the humans that they've seen nearby don't cut down their forest. And see, so that's that's a valid point. So now you've made hostile ties and established a culture generalization that humans and elves probably don't like each other. Because you got the humans who are using trees to build their homes, and then the elves so, who also use trees to build their home, but in a different way. And and so that's killing the tree, and they're just like. And so that's yeah. that's how you establish cultures and cause it to raise your world in detail. Um, now we've. We've kind of touched on this on on this next one. So moving on, apologies. We've kind of touched on this next one a little bit as we've gone piece by piece through everything. But at a certain point, every every builder of every world is going to consider this and not realize they've considered it. We're in this fishing village, right? Yeah. It's connected to several towns. Yep. If I'm a player in this town, what am I doing? Like grew up in this town, or sure, like this is this is your home. Sure, uh, you were probably raised as a fisherman, and so there's nothing else in that town. What if what if my character didn't want to be a fisherman? You bake bread. Well, what if I didn't want to deal with food at all? Carpentry. Okay. What if I didn't want to be a craftsman? I guess you're gonna have to die. No, I joined the navy. That's fair. Because they how did I not think of that? I, I have literally no been idea. in the day. I have no idea why you didn't think of that. But so when when building places, it's it's important to look at things from a character's perspective. If I was going to build a backstory about fuck, <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much. You're great, Sea and I love that you're in my chat. But God freaking damn it, sea monster. <laughs> Fuck you. I know. I love Spaz. He's too good. I, I talk to him all the time. He's so Spaz. good. It, that's his, that's his, uh, his Minecraft name. That's where I met him was, uh, was a Minecraft server. Is your real name Barry Allen? Yeah, I are, so. are you that much? Are, are you a nerd? Oh, I mean, no, it's are probably you, not. Are you a nerd? Yeah. Why did I say yes? I know that's not his name. <sighs> That'd be pretty cool. All right. Anyway, getting back on topic. What the fuck were we talking? Think of places as as though characters come from them, yeah. or or how your characters interact with them. If Who's, why is this fishing town? It, sorry, let me rephrase that. If your fishing town is going to be pertinent to your story, or your or even your characters just want to go to it, why do they want to go to it? What will they see when they get there? What's the first impression? 
that sort of thing. If they're from there, why did they choose to become an adventurer instead of a fisherman, instead of a carpenter, instead of a navyman? Yeah, but whose navy would they be joining? The islands. So the islands become their own kingdom? Why not? That'd be interesting. Think of just... When, whenever you want to look for more details on a specific area, take it from a player's perspective, from a character's perspective. What do they see when they're wandering the streets of the town? What shops? Are they in the residential district? Is there a residential district? When you're going into detail about this sort of stuff, think of it like you're taking a stroll through your world. Yeah, it's cool that you have this whole list of trade routes and stuff, but I come from a single fishing town. I'm not going to know all of those. I'm not going to know all of those. You might know the ones that go from your town to the next one, because it's how you leave your town. But if you haven't fleshed out those towns, and I live there, man, I love going to generic fishing barge here and getting my daily fish so that I can eat it with generic seasonings from, from wherever so when going into details make sure that you're viewing your world from the eyes of characters from from players from from even from npc's eyes i mean say a party of strangers arrives in your fishing village first time you've ever seen them strangest band you've ever been and they come into your tavern and start causing a fight especially with how like varied most parties are race wise absolutely this could be the first time you've ever actually seen a dwarf because you're on a fishing village the hell is that short thing over there yeah or like or like a gnome and it's just like why is this child just like traveling with this band of misfits and then the child orders a drink and you're just like (laughs) i don't get it (laughs) And this sort of thing goes back to establishing culture. When when you're looking at a player's perspective, you begin to see things, or, or from an NPC's perspective, you begin to see things that establish more rules within the society that these NPCs or players live in or are visiting. For example, in this fishing village, they've never seen dwarves. The mountains are... Way days weeks away you could probably well you could probably see them but it's like it's one of those things mm-hmm. that you're like you're like there's maybe a, there's on a clear la- day there's a landmass over there yeah cool. <laughs> maybe on a clear day so the first time that a dwarf walks into the village and they see a a four foot tall man going right where's your beer they're, that's gonna they're be, gonna be like who the first of all stout child and then instantly get punched and understand, hey, dwarves are small, and they're very, very particular about mentioning height. And they will just straight up deck you? Correct, because that's their culture. Yeah. Dwarves are physical. They feel like a brawl is the best way to sort out an argument. And they hit like a truck? They do. Or but like they hit each very, other like trucks. Or like a very large bass, since that's all you know because you're in a fishing village. That's fair, yeah. Or, tr- or is it truck? No, hang on. It's anything, Joe. Tuna. Fish. Tuna's a huge... No, tuna guitar. Anyway. So, the next step is probably the one that everyone starts with and then gets overwhelmed by because they decided to start with it instead of um, preparing for it. That's mapping out your world. So, you've done all this work. You've kind of established uh, how your elves work, why the dwarves live in mountains, why we have a fishing kingdom off the coast of the desert how they trade and that sort of thing well that's cool but where is it i still don't feel like it would be a kingdom just saying it's hypothetical except it's not because i put it on paper fucker (laughs) that sounds like a personal problem it, but but seriously, it's an independent nation. Now yes. now that you have started Tritons. creating cultures, you you understand a little of your world's history. You know how certain things function. Map it. 
and and you can, it can be as simple as getting a, a a sketchbook of grid paper and drawing rectangles about where about where everything is, or roll some dice on it and trace around them. Uh, that too. It it's not hard to draw the map. What's hard is making your world fit in the map that you've drawn, and so that's that's why I would always say that drawing a map is near the last step. Because you're working on something that is massive, and you've made all these lists of details and all these lists of characteristics. You almost just full clocked me. No, I didn't. My hand went over here. Chill. I felt the wind. Yeah, as you should. Anyway, I might as well just clock you. It'd be funnier that way. So, if you have all this list of things like that, you're going to start having in mind a way you want your world to look. Hey, we have a fishing village somewhere maybe, let's say, in the southeast. You want it connected to your desert on the mainland so you know that after that desert, the main world is going to start to arrive. You know that there's going to be a road from the coast to this desert village. You know that that desert village is going to have a path to a human village and an elven village because both of them want fish. You know that from the human village at least, there's going to be a path to the mountains because what better way for humans to get iron than from the dwarves? As you start making the details, the things you'll want on your map will become evident. And your method for getting them there can be any way you want. Do you want a river? Right there between the mountains and the plains that the humans and the dwarves live in? Fine! Put a river! If you don't, get rid of it later! It, it, it's your world! And the best part is it doesn't necessarily have to follow, like, typical rules of, like... I mean, I guess. Like, most of the time rivers run downstream and are therefore higher... Or, have a higher elevation at one point than the other and that's why they like travel and this is a fair yeah. point you don't have to do that it's a and, fantasy world and there it is rivers if if you want if you want a strange scene where your players watch a, a waterfall go up great you found the magic waterfall <clears throat> that's cool um, you don't you don't have to you, you don't have to be super stressful with minor details it's it's just something that happens. It was enchanted like that by a wizard who just decided he, to see if he could. Great, you've you've now established more history in your world. You can now make a town in that area named after the wizard. His tower's still there. It's just locked because you have to find the key somewhere else in the world. But yeah, he just he got bored and wanted to see what he could do, and eventually the river was going backwards, and he's like, you know what? That's pretty cool. It's going to turn out that the, the key to that wizard's tower is the ring we made in the last one. Anyway, this is how you make worlds, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you, you, find, you find cool details, and you just you do things about it. It's fun. It's, that, I mean, that's, that's all, all this is about. Now, of course, we've already, we've already prefaced this, but it is very important. As you map out your world, please look at it from a player's perspective. Do you really want to see this town here and then this town way over here? Wow. Maybe. It depends on who you're playing with. Or... Do you really want to travel between those two? That's the other thing. Because, like, unless you put in your world some way to expedite travel from one place to another... Another thing you have to think about is, is how long it takes to get to places. How long? Because like we've, we've played modules. Tyranny of Dragons has a forty-day travel scene between two of the major cities on the coast. It's it's bad. It's a nightmare. It's really sad. No one wants to travel for that long. No. There are means of which you can make it better, and you know we tried, but even still. You don't want to. You don't want forty days of travel without it being interesting of some kind. So, think think about think about your world from a player. Cool. I can go from this isolated fishing town. Oh no, sorry, the elves are isolated. Yep. From this fishing independent nation to the desert town, but it's gonna take me ten days on ship. And another 20 on 
on foot, if not by carriage, that's 30 days of travel that you're putting on your players. And if there's no reason to do it, they're not going to want to do it. Or if you're in a town and it's, say you're in a dwarven city, the number one thing your players are expecting to see are blacksmiths everywhere. They want weapons, they want magic things. But it doesn't make sense for every single dwarf and their their mother to be a blacksmith, be a blacksmith. and a magic creator. That, that, Listen, that civilization would not thrive, let alone survive. Listen, I have made a character in the past that specifically seeks out bakeries in cities just to see if just to see if dms put them in there i have who hey you come here often i'm gonna stab this man <laughs> it was my third character in a campaign and i was sick of playing the campaign because none of my characters lasted so i made weird quirks about <gasps> this last character anytime he meets anyone he asks hey you come here often i don't think i ever saw that man look for a bakery that's because we were never in a town. We we ended up, we went from Fallout oh, we to did. Skyrim, blew up Skyrim, no, and left. No, we blew up Fallout, left, ended up in Skyrim so, with the Brotherhood of, of Steel, Steel, who then nuked the elves. <laughs> so I didn't get a chance to go see any bakeries, Josh. It was it, oh man, that was a very hectic. It, never again. It'll never happen again. No. It's fine. But. No. See things from your player's view. Their their insight, even if it's you being sitting in their seat, seeing with their eyes. Looking at the back of the DM screen. Not looking the at the back of the DM screen and not the front. It's going to give you more information to work with. It's going to make you see from a different perspective. And that's very important. Because you're not going to see everything yourself. You're not going to see everything you're yourself. You're not going to think of everything yourself. You're not. And that's why you collaborate. All the way back to the first tips. All of... It's, it, it's important to understand that all of these things that we're talking about, it doesn't matter in what order they happen. No. Because if you're making a world, you're going to do it in the way that you are most comfortable. And if you're not, you're fooling yourself. Or the way it just ends up happening. That too. Like seriously, find yourself a mat. The, like the other mat. Oh my Dear gosh. Lord, does that man Find ask. yourself, not me, but the other mat. That man... The amount of questions. He just asks questions. And they're great questions. They are brilliant questions. They're off the wall half the time. They but are. They're great. They, they come out of left field, but they you're are not phenomenal questions. You're not ready for any of you're them ever. You're not ready for any of them ever. But they are phenomenal questions. Uh, or a spaz. Or a spaz. Yeah, dear lord. Spazzard is great at asking questions, too. He's a cool guy. I appreciate him. But... Also known as Barry Allen, aka The Flash. Go get him. Everything we've talked about today, you can do them in any order. You can make them work in any idea that you want. As long as you're comfortable with it, it'll be fine. Whatever world you make, if you're putting your effort into it, your honest effort to make a place for players to explore and have fun in i guarantee you they're going to have fun they're going to explore they're going to have a blast and if you start with a play group that is your friends it'll even it'll be even better they you know what your friends are like you know how they feel about things so you know what to expect you know what to expect but also you know like you know what they're going to or how they're going to help. Absolutely. Like, coll collaborating with them is the most important. And the most fun. And the most fun. And, you know, we come back to this. I had, a, I had a thought, and I literally lost it while I was saying all of that. But you still made a really good point. But, as as always, we've ended... We, we have recorded, we have made, we have talked through four episodes of this. Two entire months of work, because we, we do these every two weeks. And at the end of every single one, we come back to the same point, because that's how, it's how everything functions. If you are making this world, if you're working on it, if you're talking with your friends, if you're exploring new options, there's always one thing that you have to do. Have, have fun. fun. That's all it takes. 
if you're having fun doing this great keep going make it as in-depth as possible throw in as many details as you want have fun with it if you're not having fun and you're going through all this work because you think it's necessary no one else is going to enjoy it either sure making a world can be stressful it can be nerve-wracking yep it can be intimidating yep but the only reason that you should ever put yourself in that situation is because you enjoy it or plan on enjoying it because like the process of making it might not start out the most fun but Josh, I have not seen a conversation that we have had about your spiral garden that you haven't gone elated every time you have come up with a new idea. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Don't plan to have fun in a world. Don't plan to have fun for anything because you're always going to be planning for it. Just do it. Just do it. Just send. If you enjoy making a world from scratch, full send. Do it. If you enjoy taking from outside sources and throwing that into your game if you want to have a uh, dark souls be your map or be your adventure good luck to your players send your players my through condolences a, through dark souls just make sure that the expectation of that is there for that like <coughs> episode one episode one expectations we're getting a, off topic but it is a big part of world building. Right. Because you need your players to know what to expect from your world. But that's after you've made it. That's, yeah. Why well, you gotta have good points? Because I try really hard. I don't. Regardless. Have fun with what you do. And do what you have fun with. And do what you have fun with. Because... If you're not having fun, your players aren't going to have fun. And if your players aren't having fun, there's no reason to play. Yeah. And I think that brings us to another conclusion. You mean by... The end. Okay. I guess I was the only one that felt that way. Well... <laughs> no, as, as soon as you said I conclusion, there, my, I, no, I went, I like flashbacked to, fu to fucking like middle school when it meant. Yeah, I know. Another thought. Yeah. Anyway, thanks everyone so much for watching. This is Matt's Anvil. My name is Matt. I'm Josh, and this is what we do. This is what we do, and this is what we try to have fun with. This podcast is live every other Monday at 7 o'clock Central Standard Time, or as close as we can make it with our daily schedules. You can find these episodes on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, at Matt's Anvil on YouTube, or wherever you watch or listen to your favorite podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, that sort of thing. We'll be back in two weeks. Ta-da! Bye, everybody. Goodbye.